Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network. Very excited to have author Nassim Taleb come on my podcast. He just told me it's his only the second interview he's given this year. Author of Fooled by Randomness, The Black Swan, and my favorite, Anti-Fragile. Lots of great ideas that come up in our conversation, so I hope you listen. Thanks. Here's Nassim. Let's look at uh, uh, technology. Technology okay. works beautifully when it destroys bad technology. In, 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 in Anti-Fragile, I discuss the Lindy effect, which tells you pretty much the following. If something has been around for 20 years, odds are it has 20 more years to go. So yeah. uh, if something's been around, the technology, an idea, that's not perishable. For a human, you don't have that effect. For a right. technology, you have that effect because there's no upper bound on the life of a technology. Uh, so if I see an old man and his grandson, I can say statistically that uh, bearing some uh, problem with the grandson, some disease, some whatever uh, problem, that the grandson will survive the the. the the grandfather, whereas with technology, it's exactly the opposite. If you see very young technology and old one, all that young technology is not going to survive. And the old one simply is a concept, it's application, straight application of the measurement of fragility, the, the techniques to measure fragility, that time is a, a, a either breaks you know, what is fragile, right, or uh, gives uh, what has some properties, some hidden properties of survival, gives it some edge, okay, so... When, when we look now at technologies, you realize that technologies tend to stick are technologies that are destructive of other technologies because the book has not really been replaced, okay, but, right. uh, but uh, some things have been replaced. So, so let's talk about uh, television, all right, where people say, well, there are a lot of uh, social networks, but think about uh, uh, what we had before. You, you sit in, 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 in a nuclear family or whatever it's called, used to be called, watching uh, someone uh, uh, giving you propaganda on the screen, all right? Mm -hmm. That's not social life. Whereas now at least you can communicate with other people. That's a social so, network. So in some sense we're going back to uh, having a social life because of social media. It, exactly. And, and then the other thing, think of computers, all right? Computers are technologies that have been replaced by what? Laptops. But laptops have been replaced by what? Tablets. Yeah. How did we start writing? Yeah, tablets. tablets. All right. So uh, look at uh, and look at uh, the, what, what food we have on the table today. Someone in 1960 would have predicted that that for dinner, uh, 
tonight, you're going to have Bill and some flying saucer or whatever it is. You get the idea, all right? And, uh, and, and effectively, you're going to be eating closer in the presentation, <laughs> you see, something closer to how your grandparents ate. Right. And well, you mentioned the, the glass, that we, we still use a glass, and that was invented like 3,600 years ago. Exactly. Glass was invented. I mean, it was marketed by by uh, at, at, you know at least three thousand plus years ago, and and glass has uh, uh, and all we've done is improve glass. So how can you? How, what about things that are truly disruptive though, like a car versus a horse, okay. email versus mail? You, you, the car versus a horse, but the 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 car has been disrupted by the bicycle, which is older. Right. So you have the point is it's statistical. Someone when I when I talk about life expectancy, I'm talking about your life expectancy. Uh, I, I look at an insurance table and I have a number. Okay, that number is statistical. It's not deterministic. Okay, there'll be mistakes, and and I'm sure you're going to live your your life expectancy probably is you know as of today, um, maybe 84, 85. But I'm sure you're going to you know you're going to live 100. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, you know. That's not in the table <laughs> that you can live longer, but people live 100. Mm-hmm. And some people, unfortunately, uh, have uh, an early termination. So this is statistical. Same thing for technology. Statistically, new technology doesn't stick. And statistically, it's not going to be replaced by old technology so much as by something newer, you see. And typically, the newer will resemble old technology. And if you see the bicycle, it resembles the horse. I see. So in some sense, email is, is actually being replaced. Right? I see in my daughters, email is being replaced by texting. My daughter doesn't even look at her email anymore. Well, there we go. And it started before email. Yeah, and texting started before started email. Before email. So, so you have. Uh, uh, so, but but you can't look at it my, uh, you know, on a microscopic level. You got to look at it at a global, yeah. uh, uh, you know, something more global. Well, global so, and personal, because individuals want to be that we strive for anti fragility. Yeah, we saw, but but another comment I'm going to make about how the world uh, will look like in the future is going to project the world is exactly. The opposite way, someone in 1960, you know, still with their mind full of modernity, would have imagined it. You're going to imagine a, imagine a table, how we're going to eat in, in 50 years or 20 years. We're going to be even closer to our ancestors in presentation, probably, but it'll be more efficient. Yeah. You see, the, 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 we will, I was talking about walking. Uh, you see, our ancestors walked barefoot, uh, which is very good for your back and stuff like that. And... Um, when I, you know, when, when I go to the park, I see people using five fingers. <laughs> you see, right, the, so the you use speakers. technology to protect yourself from the, the the elements, while at the same time replicating the natural gait. Well, this is how you can generalize that to how we uh, we actually would like to live. We live in small communities, and effectively, you know, you can build small communities. And the web, in, in a way is not alienating us, contrary, you know, to what I, myself, and, and everyone I know uh, used to think in the beginning that this social network is, no, the social network is bringing us back to, you know, uh, what we were, people communicating with each other, you yeah. see, going down to an agora and, and just trading information. We, that's what we want. We want, mm-hmm. we want to give information because somehow information wants to leave your, uh, it doesn't want to stay in you, uh, you know, it wants to leave you, right? That's an interesting way to look at it. <clears throat> So, you know, I, I have a story to tell you. In, in 2002, I was um, down on my luck because I had done everything wrong. You know, I was, I was very fragile. Uh, I made some money in the 90s, lost it in 2000, 2001. 2002, I wrote out about 40 emails out to people saying, hey, can I grab coffee for you? And three people responded, and I responded to two of the three. 
And I didn't. I so so Jim Cramer responded, Victor Niederhofer responded, and you responded. And unfortunately, I made the wrong. I had the wrong. I responded. I don't remember. No, no, no. I, it's okay. I had, no, I had at the time, and and I'm trying to implement. But it I wish again. I had responded. No, no. But I have. I have a. Um, I had a uh, uh, golden rule written in stone: is that you always reply to emails. What do you do if you get if you like? Had, you must get like five thousand emails get, a day. I get maybe eight or nine a day. Oh, you I'm, can verify. I'm, this is, I'm going to give you my cell phone. You can verify. <laughs> Always reply, except when you set the boundaries. So now I have an auto-reply. No documentary, no this, no that. No finance discussion, no this. this, this. So someone has a genuine ah. otherwise request. And and uh, usually when I, I take a day off to reply, and, and during that day I, I cover most of the year, just uh, back, ah. backlog in one day, no more than a day, typically when I'm in some hotel room, uh, you know, jet lag. And uh, and I replied to uh, a uh, very insightful professor who wrote me a letter in three years ago. <laughs> Ended up replying. Those are the uh, best when you can reply after three you years. Can reply no because I put it in my I put a star. It's a longer one and it elicited more than a, uh, a quick uh, thanks, John, for the nice words. It yeah, re- required some kind of uh, reply. So, I, but please, I mean, I don't want to get uh, be flooded with mail, but. That at the time, I had a dogma, and uh, and of course, uh, things went out of control after uh, the Black Swan. Yeah. And, and now, uh, I have a filter. In other words, if, if you meet some requirements, uh, you know, I'm obligated to answer. Huh. You see, if someone is trying to sell me something or trying to invite me to a TED conference, of course, I don't have to reply. It's part of the please don't invite. You know, or journalists, I don't reply to. I don't want journalists in my life, which is the reason you know I'm on Twitter. Yeah. Or, or I want minimum amount of journalists in my, in my uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's something about about the atmosphere when you have journalism in it that sort of debases it. Well, I think I think in general there ha- it's it's what you say. There, there's not skin in the game, so journalism has to respond to a news cycle where, by almost by definition, they're trying to scare you. It's a, exactly. There's something about it that, about the system, okay, because, uh, the, I mean, I, I believe in journalists, uh, the thoughtful ones, the ones who, uh, you know, go to Iraq, you know, to to uh, report from there and, and get kidnapped. That's a different class from people sitting in a in their uh, garage Buzzfeed. working for whatever it is and making comments for Bloomberg on uh, the markets, okay, yeah. and telling you market went down a point because and, and inventing a reason and filling and in fact, it can be very damaging because the journalist caused the, the, the Iraq war. So you're, you're, you're uh, providing noise that causes people to take risks uh, under the illusion of certainty. This is why I'm – but there are other things also with journalism. The way I have had my ideas treated by journalists told me why, why I don't need the middleman. I can go straight. Right. You see? So I, I've been using social media in a very satisfactory way because I go straight, you know, it, cut the middleman. You know, cut, cutting the middlemen, which has been happening across every industry, is a, a form of anti-fragility now. It is definitely because because okay, when when you uh, wake up in the morning, all right, and you check your mail, if you're scared of getting mail from anyone, this is what I say: sign of robustness, at least. To become anti-fragile, first you have to be robust. Mm-hmm. If you're scared of getting, if you see an email and you're scared, or or if you're scared of getting an email, it means you don't have the right life. <laughs> You yeah, see, that's true. If, if you're scared of someone saying something about you on Twitter or something, it means you don't have the right profession. If you're scared, because eventually, if you're fragile, it's going to break. Right. You see, so and people notice it. So uh, you have to build your put yourself in a situation where you're no longer scared of that. 
Now, uh, I, let me ask you about that because my technique for dealing with that is I don't respond at all to anybody saying something negative. No, about I don't care. No, if you really don't care, you don't respond at all. But sometimes you like to mess with a guy. Right. <laughs> sometimes you, like you to do mess respond. With people. I, no, not always. When I like to mess with someone, okay. so I have my. Uh, I want uh, recently. I've had uh, because I'm a Christian from the Near East, so I'm waiting to find some. Some of these, uh, what I call them, Arab intellectuals, right? Which are, they are sort of like ambivalent. Yes, we should be this, we should be that. And I wanted to to dump on someone, all right? And and of, yeah. of course, I found a couple of a couple of people, and that was fun, okay? But uh, I, I don't re- no, I don't really. Once in a while, okay. For example, if someone uh, bothers me, I, I have a forum to go and state and and uh, and, and keep going at it. And, and if uh, he doesn't like it, uh, if he doesn't like to be bullied, he shouldn't bully, right? So, but it happens to me. I do it as a form of entertainment more than necessity. Right. You see, that? Yes. it's different. If you do Sport. it out of necessity, if you do it out of necessity, you're dead. If you do anything out of necessity, you're perhaps. dead. Exactly. Anything. Out of, if you have to respond to something, you're dead. You see. If you do it just because there's a certain class of people who. Uh, political scientists, these people bother me or intellectually, and 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 I like to have some form of entertainment because I'm human. Okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so that's a hobby, and I usually I reserve these episodes to when I'm in a restaurant waiting for someone. Uh. You see, and you get in a bad mood if someone's l- l- late and you're hungry. You see the idea, so it's a perfect time to be aggressive with uh, with people. But I've had recently, um, you know, I have this paper that that you have in your hand on precautionary principle, mostly that uh, people talk about uh, GMOs, say, oh, they ha- we have no evidence that they're harming. Yeah, but you don't have evidence they're not harming, that kind of stuff. So some lobbyists from some groups, okay, have gone on the web and tried to mess with me. They didn't realize that I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy <laughs> humiliating um, uh uh, frosters or what is called charlatan. I enjoy it, so it's just a you know, it's not a good use of my time. I know, but I'm human, you know. So if you, right, don't, that's don't fair. Have, you don't have an hour a week to play with uh, with people you don't like, uh, what do you do with that time, mm-hmm. right? So, so so let's talk about let's 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 for the listeners take a step back and talk about what is fragility versus okay. anti fragility. Uh, this this whole episode of anti fragility. Ha- can only be explained, and 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 this whole episode that I went through, my own, how did I get to the idea, uh, can only be explained by uh, by the quest to figure out risk. Okay, and and risk again at a personal level and a global, a global level, everything, economic everything, level, everything. everything. Risk it, it, doesn't have actually definition. That right. is the strangest thing, and risk requires you, you know, to look at events and assign probability to to them and see if they're going to occur. What's the risk of an earthquake? Right. Um, and, and if you look, and I, I, I dug down, I spent 20 years trying to define risk. I couldn't. Nobody has, all right? The only definition of risk we have is what risk-averse people don't like, all right? Uh, and probabilities are very hard to uh, compute, particularly small probabilities. Like risk of ruin is, is very hard to compute. You know well, particularly higher. you don't even know what, what curve or what law to apply to the exactly, risk. Exactly, 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 exactly. I mean, you have a risk in some domains, what I call them thin-tailed domains where the Gaussian curve works and some other distribution, we can figure out the risk. Like, for example, I know that the risks of falling from ladders, right, people killed falling from ladders, uh, people... Uh, um, is uh, not going to double all right next year you see so we know that the the that rate is well captured by common statistics what about risk, actual but, but risk of uh, yeah so the actuarial risk worked for these but you cannot use that for for uh, for terrorism 
Right. How many? You can't use it for wars. You can't use. Can't so use it for the stock market. You can't use it for stock market. You can't. And, and use this it. is a problem. Many traders. Uh, this is why I mentioned the Victor Niederhofer. Uh, tends to t- apply a normal curve to or whatever curve. Markets. It's not. It doesn't. If it's not. It's not the fact that it's normal or not normal. It's whether it's computable. The normal curve or that class of things assigns such a small probability to rare events that make tend to make things computable. Right. See, because uh, uh, average events are sort of predictable. Right. But they. But, but who cares? Because they have no impact. So anyway. So I, I realized that we didn't know much about risk. I, can, I don't know whether the probability of an earthquake. Tomorrow, you know, here, uh, what is the odds of the stock market tripling or, or these I can't. But on the other hand, what I can understand very well is how events affect me. So this is what I and, and, and I went to the literature and and figured out something that, that very often people conflate. I call it the conflation of events and exposure. Conflate how events, right, the probability of events and how, the risk of events occurring and the risk to them from these events. So let's take an example. Uh, if you have the stock market can crash tomorrow, that's a big risk. But if you're own out of the money puts on the stock market, okay, and and you're pretty comfortable with uh, the seller, you know, the seller of those puts would be in business, then you don't care about the stock market crashes, you see. Or if you express your views of stock, you know, in the stock market just with calls. So who understood that very well? Chapter one of my technical uh, document called Silent Risk, chapter one, the lawyers. <laughs> they still understand it very well. The lawyer doesn't make a statistical, uh, gives you statistical predictions of events. He hedges you against them by, by showing, by, by reducing your liability and constructing your liability. So I, it hit me that I, when I was an option trader, and I was an option trader for 21 years, hmm. largely in exotic and complex derivatives, and all I worked on is try to understand the payoff. And and all I did wasn't try to understand the world, as people think traders try to do, is try to figure out all right, a way to reduce liability from certain class of events. And you would ignore that outlier. Contractually, yeah, outlier. because contractually you can eliminate that. All right? Contractually, by defining your contract, you know, that the contract doesn't cover this, you know, cancels if that so happens or something like that. So I realized, you know, okay, so the first thing is that we don't understand risk, but we understand exposure. And and we had 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years, probability was born with lawyers. But right? don't you think we also ignore exposure? Sorry? Don't you think we ignore exposure in general? Like, because we assume that the the worst is not going to happen no, to No, no. People, people, yeah, but we ignore exposure. Or sometimes we overestimate exposure. But at least we understand exposure. And you can mm-hmm. construct exposure. But mm-hmm. so, I, so I figured out uh, um, that, that, that divorce. And then one day it hit me looking at a coffee cup, all right, that I could define fragility, <laughs> While looking at a coffee While cup. While looking at a coffee cup. As I said, was it one of the Greek coffee exactly, cups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was a coffee cup on a table, and, and I, I was looking at it. I looked at it. I said, oh, boy. I can do, and, and Antifragile started that day. Hmm. All right? I started writing it. I started doing the math behind it. I said, for 20-some years, I've been an option trader, and we have a definition of things that don't like volatility. You see? The things, you know, think of a coffee cup. If there's any random event in a room, not one of them will help it. It'll be or it'll be either neutral or negative. So we have an asymmetry. Right. Things suffer from they have more downside than upside. I looked at it. I said, this coffee cup is short. In my uh, option language, we call it short gamma or short volatility. Mm. I looked at it. I said, oh, we have a definition of fragility. Mm. Can I generalize to everything? Okay, fragile being 
negatively affected by volatility? Ah, yes, I can. Aha. Uh -huh. If I can do that, then I can do something because I spent my time as an option trader and also I did my PhD. So I did everything on some specific, you know, uh, 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 properties, all right, of option complex option packages. So I said, okay, everything that doesn't like volatility is fragile and everything fragile likes volatility. So, and everything flew from there. So you can construct the you can you can construct a a, a sort of uh, a prism, all right, to view the world in three categories. The the fragile, like like short an option, if there's volatility, it, it, it is exposed to it. It can blow up. It can suffer whatever the various degrees. So let's give some examples yeah. of fragile. So like you give one example, which I thought was great, uh, an an old woman who likes everything to be 70 degrees, well, okay, an average of 70 degrees yeah. is bad because if it's 140 degrees, she's dead, and if it's zero degrees, exactly. she's dead. Exactly. To explain this, we need one point to explain it, which is uh, uh, to explain the link between a coffee cup and the old lady, uh, or, 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 sorry, an elderly person, um, <laughs> who doesn't like thermal variability, which is as follows, is that the whatever you can show mathematically and, and and this I think is important, okay, because it generalizes to so many things. And now I'm working with physicists and um, on, on on the thing about uh, GMOs and global warming on risk. What is important is that what doesn't like volatility doesn't like variation, doesn't like stressors, doesn't like time. Aha! You remember we started the conversation talking about time. Hmm. What doesn't like volatility doesn't like time. Why? Time is volatility. It's more events happening, right? You see, and uh, doesn't like entropy, doesn't like uh, stressors, and you can you can very easily establish make a table of what other thing that what doesn't like volatility doesn't like, and put them all in the same group, the fragile. So the fragile doesn't group. like time. Sorry, it's a huge group. It's, it's a much a bigger group, group yes. than anti-fragile. But, but whatever doesn't like one will won't like the others. This is what the interesting thing. What doesn't like what doesn't like time, doesn't like unpredictability, and doesn't like stressors, and doesn't like randomness, and doesn't like uncertainty, and doesn't like an increase of scale of distribution, doesn't like all these things. I so, feel like you're describing all my uh, emotional relationships with people. <laughs> okay, no, but up to a point, of course. Some mm -hmm. are open-ended. Some. So this is what doesn't like time. So this is the, 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 the fragile, all right? A coffee cup is fragile, okay? But with respect, you're always fragile with respect to one all right, what I call source of variation or source of randomness or source of stress. Like for example, uh, uh, the the uh, elderly person is probably extremely fragile with respect to the, to the changes in temperature, but she may not be fragile with respect to uh, you know I don't know emotional uh, stuff. Right, because okay. she has experience. Oh, whatever it is, you can you people can have some, died. some people are very domain dependent and what right. they're fragile about. Uh, someone could be a weightlifter and and he's dumped by his girlfriend and go jump uh, from a cliff. Okay, mm -hmm. so y y you can't really uh, um, transfer from one domain to the other. So now we have an idea. Humans of the can do that, and it's an interestingly. So humans have an ability to adapt to multiple. Uh, let's say social hierarchies. So I can be in one domain, like handle things emotionally, but uh, not be able to handle uh, extreme changes in temperature, whereas uh, other mammals or other animals almost can't adapt to anything. Humans are more adaptable. Yeah, we are. But, yeah, but that's that's uh, the thing that's very important to understand that humans are the reason we're successful is because we are 
uh, again, uh, not adaptable, but we have a broader, uh, we depend from, uh, uh, we, we have, we have, uh, we can make it through different environments, thermally, right? Uh, and, and, and also, it's very important, we are omnivorous. We can eat everything, right? right? And omnivores, omnivores, we're omnivores, and omnivores are rare. It means we can eat like a lion and eat like a cow. You see, and 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 do fine in both cases, and uh, and and the problem is people don't understand that we we are not omnivores by choice. Hence, we need variability in the food supply, and we need uh, some deprivation of some food groups once in a while because that's how we became omnivores. Ah, that's but the stressor to the, the system. Stressor make us to the, exactly, particularly uh, uh, protein. And and I uh, said that uh, if we part lion, part cow, the cow has no randomness in the way it eats, but the lion has more randomness. So you have to have protein uh, less steadily than uh, than uh, other food groups. So I see. So in the th- in the areas where you're anti-fragile, you want to encourage variability. Exactly. So 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 let, let's put some stru- the, the structure. We said the fragile doesn't like variation and variability. All right, and we're always fragile with respect to something. The robust doesn't really care. You see, and of course the anti-fragile on the right wants needs variability, and as a matter of fact, it dies if it doesn't have that variability. So if you just eat protein. If you uh, if you just eat protein, you probably would have uh, no kidneys in no time. All right, mm. the you need uh, we're not made we're made for variability among mm. food groups. Mm. If you just eat, eat carbs, you also have a problem. Mm. But the the thing is, what people didn't understand when when they uh, started following the paleo diet is that to follow our ancestors' uh, methods, uh, to follow our ancestors what they did, you you need to match not the food composition so much as the food frequency. Hmm. And uh, I just posted the other day, I was, I was again, I was in some airport, and I did the fractal thing about uh, how often we should fast to be consistent with, with, some, uh, with the environment. You should, you should also have the stressor of fasting. Interesting, because so, you, so, you mentioned briefly in Antifragile, uh, uh, there's no proof that breakfast... Really gives you energy for exactly. the day. Exactly. This is the, the most important thing: is to follow the following guidelines. All right. Uh, science is great; it should give us proofs. But if there's a habit that is not part of our tradition and has not been tested for its benefits, then you should be suspicious. And breakfast is one of them. Does a lion eat uh, to hunt, or do you hunt to eat? Hmm. All right. So that's what, so you don't need energy visibly, and if you supply yourself too much energy. Then you you dull your system, and and you, you, we are a metabolic system. Now now strangely, this idea that I wrote about an antifragile, I thought nobody would get it. People have independently, okay, of course, have been doing uh, research on uh, fasting, on if you're keto adapted, that fasting is important. And 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 uh, the the someone there have been some a few bestsellers on that seven two diet after antifragile, repeating the exact same ideas. But to do it right, you don't. You know, follow a regimen of fasting one day a week, or you see once every two weeks. So you you need to randomize. In other words, you should fast. If you fast one day every week, you should also fast uh, three days every uh, month and a half, <laughs> and a whole week every two years. You, you I, see I love this uh, idea. But, no, but if you're ma- you're made for a statistical environment that has variability, like. Uh, thermal variability or uh, food group variability or frequency of feeding variability. 
and you don't have that in your life, you are not human. You're becoming something else. Unfortunately, we have too much control of our environment. So we are made just for an environment that has, uh, uh, you know, variability. But risk came with variability because it's the same thing. Just like, you know, we had preferences for sugar because it came with nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it also comes with heart problems. But, you know, but we need nutrition. But the environment didn't give us the granularity to differentiate between small quantities and large quantities, you see because we didn't have that chance. The same thing with variability. We could not control our environment. So we disliked variability and, and, and randomness. And, and now we live in an environment where we can control that small randomness, and it's killing us, <laughs> you see? So you can kill someone, literally, by feeding them too steadily, and effectively that's how diabetes uh, comes from. And how was the evidence? I read the papers. Cited many of them in Antifragile, but many came out later that effectively uh, all these fasting stuff that uh, have been experimented up to four days by Walter Longo, by uh, Matson, by all these people, uh, realize that, that they, they, there are some uh, benefits, but there's also especially a absence of other diseases that come with it, you mm. see. So, so, for example, epileptic seizures for children. We know that, uh, you know, drugs are, are good, but the first the most effective thing to start with is avoidance of uh, sugar, right? Mm. Avoidance of carbs, okay? And um, another thing is diabetes. Diabetes is the first thing should be to start someone for a while to teach, you know, to the stressor and, and, and see if, and you can figure out how often they have diabetes, okay? By the frequency of famine and our, uh, you can back, back from the disease, you can get the statistical properties of famine and our habitat from that. And this is mathematically very easy to do. Nobody has done it, but I, I mean, I have a sketch of how it's be done. For example, if you starve yourself for a day once in a while, uh, you have some benefits uh, with asthma, okay? So you know asthma comes from this, okay? It doesn't come from this, but you can make a statistical link, and then you can say, okay, diabetes has this link. So you're uh, not saying what asthma Parkinson. comes from. You're saying how asthma could be avoided, you're uh, I'm saying VN that negativa. there's a mismatch between us and the environment, okay. you see. And, and it looks like uh, because we have a spate of diseases that we had to have at least one starvation day every uh, fortnight, you see. Right. You had to have a week every year or something. You can back out from the environment how, what the shape of that statistical curve should be, you see, with, with, uh, with some comfortable precision. So anyway, so to go back to the structure that we have, we have the fragile, the the robust, and the anti-fragile. Right. The, what makes the anti-fragile very uh, powerful is that you can measure if something is anti-fragile from local sensitivity, mm -hmm. and that is what is interesting for us. Like for example, why am I making statements that uh, fasting is good for you, like the stress or deprivation? You have to have some acceleration of gain locally just like you have to have some acceleration of harm locally for something to be fragile. And let me explain it, right? Oh, I can it, see with fasting you could have both. Yeah, but l let me go back to the definition of fragile okay. to see how we can go from there from one to the other because it's always easier to explain the fragile than the anti-fragile, mostly because our brains are risk-averse, hmm. you see? So let me explain the fragile uh, first. The, the first thing you know when you're short volatility in the markets is that a 10% drop in the market harms you a lot more, okay, than two times, than twice a 5% drop, hmm. you see? Okay, likewise, 
if you jump 10 meters, you're harmed a lot more than if you jump than twice if you jump five meters. Mm-hmm. Actually, 10 meters you may you, you'd go all right. So and five meters again in, in turn is a lot better, uh, uh, you know, a lot worse once five meters than two times the risk of mm-hmm. two and a half meters and so on. And things have to be that way, because if the curve were linear, you see, then you would you would die just walking. So you have to have, you know, if I smash my car against a wall at 50 kilometers per hour, I'm harmed a lot more than 50 times if I smash it at one kilometer per hour, you see. So, and, and this is a property of everything that has survived. Why? Because things that are linear to harm are already gone. <laughs> so the fragile, has, you can detect acceleration. If you have acceleration of harm, you see, if you start having acceleration of harm lo- locally, then you can detect fragility. So, so fragility is almost related to uh, almost a survival of the fittest because we, cre- we is, created the we we control the environment of our no no let me no 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 let me no no let me uh, I'm talking about something technical here but I'll, okay. get, I'll get to that in other words the way fragility has to show acceleration of harm you see mm-hmm. Frag- it has to come with it you have to have acceleration of harm some kind of I call it the concavity argument. Likewise, anti-fragility has to show some acceleration of benefits somewhere. You see, and if you detect that, then you have a, a, a local uh, local anti-fragility. And maybe I'll give you a MOOC, uh, many MOOC. I gave the students five minutes where I explained that with curves. Why, so, if you have, and let me explain why acceleration of benefits. Hmm. Uh, what would is it better for you to have, for example, the the, the if you're convex to have um, when, when say you have lung ventilator, all right. If you if it's better for you to have 100 percent of the dose all the time, or 50 percent one time, 150 percent the other time. Yeah, it would be be probably much worse. No, much better. Oh yeah, uh, exactly. So and then I mentioned in antifragile that lung ventilators people made the mistake of thinking you need steadiness. If you have that convexity effect, which means that. 50% one day, 150, uh, one minute, 150% the other minute is a lot better than 100% of the dose all the time. Hmm. Then you're anti-fragile. And that shows an acceleration on a graph. You see? So it's the same thing with, with, a, with, a, with a coffee cup. You want to hit it with intensity of 2 per, say, intensity of 2. You can hit it 100 times intensity of 2. It won't break. But if you have the time intensity of one, half the time intensity of three, it would break. You see? Right. So if the linear combination of two different numbers is, is worse, you're fragile. And if the linear combination is better, you're anti-fragile. Let's apply it to feeding, right? Is, or, or to the temperature. Is it better to spend uh, the whole day at 70 degrees for your health or uh, spend... Uh, 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 Sometime at 50 degrees and sometime at 90 degrees. Well, obviously, it's better for your health to spend to have that variation. So, a linear combination of 50 degrees and 90 degrees is better for your health than just 70 degrees. It means you're anti-fragile, it's and you fu- can keep varying the wind, the, the, that that uh, that interval to see how to up to what point. Because visibly, we're fragile if you instead of having 10 degrees variation or 20 degrees variation, you go to 100 degree variation. Yeah, you would die in both cases. So you're fragile be- when it starts harming you with the interval and winding and narrowing the interval for the same keeping the same average. Seems like, it seems yeah. like a anti fragility in that case, like almost like a donut. So exactly, you have fragility it is in the middle and fragility on the outside. 
Uh, so the variability is too much and fragile some things, again. Some things are, yeah, something like randomness. Yeah, and let me now you're talking about evolution. Let me talk about evolution. It, uh, evolution without randomness, you don't have evolution because you don't have uh, you know uh, fitness. Uh, say uh, there there are a lot of mechanisms of evolution. Uh, one of them is noise in your DNA. Okay, if you have no noise, okay, and the DNA transmitted without replicating error, because every time someone has a child, there's a replicating mistake, or not every time, but statistically, there are mistakes in replicating a DNA. So if you're try, uh, giving a DNA deterministically without mistakes, you don't have evolution. But if you have mistakes, you know, you're going to have 10 offspring, some of them will benefit from the mistake, all right, then you have evolution, all right, those benefits get an advantage and keep going. So replication error is good. So something that likes an error, all right, has mm -hmm. some advantages. The problem is that your error rate is too high. You will never conserve the benefit. Mm -hmm. So you have to have some error rate, not too high and not too low. Mm -hmm. And this is, yeah, this is, you know, why what I, what I say that anti-fragility is local. Mm -hmm. It's good, for example, to have 1% uh, error, oh, not 1%, 1 per 1,000 error rate, for example, because it's good. But if you have 10% error rate, then, then your offspring will never will not retain that advantage to transmit it to their own. Mm. So, uh, you, so, so anti-fragile is local, except in finance where it's sort of, you know, finance is always weird, where you can have things that benefit from volatility with no ceiling, contractually, or some things may have a high ceiling. Let me, again, use the concept of, of anti-fragile and convexity, and I'll show you where Lift weight. What's better to build muscle? To lift a thousand times one 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 uh, one one kilo, or, or one pound, or uh, or one time a hundred pound. Uh, well, I wouldn't be able to lift a thousand times one pound, so yeah, I'd have to, to go with a hundred. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't be able to to lift a thousand kilos. No, no, no. What I meant is a hundred times one pound, or or one time a hundred pounds. Oh, uh, one. Uh, I would say one time 100 pounds. Okay, so there you go. So there you get the convexity, hmm. is that every pound gives it gives you more benefits, you see, for given the same amount, total amount that you're going to lift. To a, cer to a, a certain amount. Up to a point, point. But, but visibly, you're not going to have half benefit lifting 1,000 pounds because then you would break your... your uh, yeah, repetitive stress whatever. disorder. No, no, no. 1,000 pounds will, will break your oh, bones. Right, right, right. Whatever it is. If you, 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 the, the, someone but if you lift 100 times 1 pound, you just get repetitive stress disorder. You won't, get, that, uh, exactly. you won't build so, any muscle. Exactly. So, so the whole idea of anti-fragile is understanding what I call the convexity effect. The convexity effect, if a linear combination of two things, all right, is better, you know, f than one thing of the same average. But what I like about that is you don't have to explain why something works because then you go into the realm of, uh, you know, mythology. You you just have to understand this, measuring this aspect. Exactly. Of I, I'm I'm very skeptical of uh, people who try to understand the mechanism. and, and, and we Like why does a 100-pound weight build muscle? We uh, don't exactly, really know. Exactly. So, and, and I said it here in the book. I said that, um, you know, um, when I started weightlifting, uh, I was told, hey, uh, uh, there are micro tears that fill up you know, and then you eat your protein, and, and okay, or you have a protein shake, and a micro tear that fill up with uh, muscle, and everybody's happy because of the tear. Okay, that's a very nice story. But then I came back and asked, yeah, but how come the lion has so much muscle without working out, all right? Well, they say, well, it's hormonal, all right? They say, ah, hormonal. 
and then discover that people who take steroids grow in muscles, right? So you realize that muscle growth is something informational that doesn't seem to have much to do with the way people used to interpret it. But So you, the theory behind muscle, muscle growth will change maybe every generation or maybe, you know, and we'll never converge because science doesn't work, you know, doesn't have definitive answers. We'll never fully converge. But the fact that if I live 100 pounds, I will gain muscle will never change. Right, so, so when you can I mean, observe... Phenomenology is robust, okay? Theories, the explanation, are not. Hmm. And people yet have more respect for theories than phenomenology. Phenomenology is cataloging things that have monstrous regularity without really understanding the reason. And you don't, I don't have to explain that to you what the mechanism by which if I hit someone on the head, okay, he's going to, uh, you know, not do well, right? You don't have to explain the blood vessel. I, I don't, you know, the fact is it won't change the story at all. So we have, so in my book, uh, robust, our methodology is very robust, right? Uh, phenomenology is very robust, okay? Uh, uh, it does catalog things that we know that if you overeat, you're going to gain weight. Now, what's a pathway that will store the, who cares, right? If we focus on these things that we know, we do a lot better, you see. I'm not against science. I'm against interpreting scientific theories as truth rather than focusing on robust phenomenologies, you see. And and statistical regularities are part of that phenomenology, you see. The way we handle randomness is part of that phenomenology. And there are some things that are necessary, mathematically necessary, absolutely necessary mathematically. Like, for example, that if you... Uh, uh, are convex, in other words, if 80% of you, then necessarily you like variability. Then necessarily you are anti-fragile. And that, that, that thing. Then necessarily you benefit from random supply of that that thing. If you if you if you like if you do better uh, and and you take those books on starvation now, there are many many of them showing how uh, cancer cells do. Okay, but if you look at it, you say people effectively do better after X days of starvation, and then they can eat all they want. So visibly, instead of eating. Uh, 2,000 calories uh, for eight days, they eat zero, and then they can eat the rest. They do a lot better, okay? Mm. But you don't have to go into the mechanism to understand that that's a regularity, mm. you see, that you can... Uh, it's, 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 and, and, and from that, the, 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 you, you can make mathematical statement without having to understand the process at all because it's necessary. Well, let me ask you a question. Because we've removed so far... Let's say from because we have this controlled environment that we can control. Do you have to now measure statistically to get us back to exactly? That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go back to to life. All right, we were had no control over uh, transportation, so we walked a lot. Right, and now we got better. We have we can make life comfortable with a car. Okay. Now, uh, what do you do? You drive your car to the gym to compensate for it, you see, and walk on a treadmill, you see. Normally, that's completely absurd, but we do that, no? Mm-hmm. That's a compensating fact to, to, to fix it. But, but this is not something new. The Greek Orthodox religion uh, forces us to have 200 vegan days. I didn't know that. Yeah, because in, in opulent societies, you know, you, you overeat on lab, you know, you, you, you're going to be harmed. So we have two, uh, including 40 days of Lent, we're entirely vegan. You go through 40 days of, of purely vegan, uh, you know, uh, stuff. We have Ramadan in, in Islam. If it's done properly, you should, you know, and, and Judaism has um, six days of fasting plus recommended a lot of rabbis. Mm-hmm. 
fast X number of days, uh, just to have a clear mind. So if you look at, uh, so these are compensators. There's no different from going to the gym to compensate from the fact that we have too much control of our environment. And it's the same thing with uh, with uh, like of cold. I was in, um, in, I mean, you have saunas, right, where 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 you you induce variation, okay, and you have reverse saunas. I was in Qatar, a place I, I hope you know. Uh, uh, not go back because uh, I don't like their their their, their politics and, and they may they may make me force me to stay there anyway. So I w- I was in Qatar, and I noticed that they had a reverse sauna, which is a room where temperature is kept at something like minus uh, twenty degrees centigrade, mm-hmm. where you go for a minute, the maximum minute, do a reverse sauna. All right. Mm-hmm. Now all these things come from the fact that we have too much control of our environment. And thermal stability and mechanical stability and these things are, you know, effectively weakening us. Hmm. But so then you have to measure whether that's now we have to, we're in a position where we, we have can, to measure if that's good or not. Well, we 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 can we can guess pretty much. I mean, we can guess that if you don't walk too much, you're going to gain weight. You're going to do this. You're going to have this. Uh, you can guess that if you don't, you know, go lift weight in the gym, that your bone density will do will, will do so. So you can pretty much calibrate your life to have enough. Uh, and, and most people do who live healthy lives, you know, live in cities where they walk a lot. Or now it's impossible. You know, at some point it was easy to drive in New York City. Now it's impossible. <laughs> so somehow our environment also is forcing us to go back to more ancestral uh, methods. Right, and, and you, and you yeah. mentioned there's an anti-fragility there because people might complain, oh, I'm stuck in traffic, but, uh, oh, I'm in a city where... Uh, or, or there is some anti-fragility there where I'm in a city where everybody wants to go. So the fact yeah, that yeah, I'm was, in it, harm uh, means I'm in a popular place where there might be money and opportunities exactly, and so on. Exactly. It's not, it's not, I mean, don't complain about traffic. It means other people want to be there as well. Yeah. Right? It's just that there's something very interesting, by the way, about traffic. Is uh, Traffic is highly uh, nonlinear. And, and you and and people made mistakes of not predicting traffic based on local response of delays like like uh, the, the the city uh, of New York wasn't good at understanding the linearity of traffic. Is that if you shut off a bridge, for example, the 59th Street Bridge for a film on Saturday, uh, don't predict that it's going to slow down traffic by 10 minutes. Uh, you know, it took me four and a half hours. Hmm. I was stuck in a car, right? Hmm. So, uh, I mean, of course, it's my mistake to be to, to drive to New York City, but that was that was for dinner. You see the idea, incidentally, talking about traffic. Now, it's very important to realize that risk is not variability. But our instinct mixes the two of them. Mm. Like in finance, people think that risk is something that moves. No, risk is something that makes you go bust, right? Because things that move aren't necessarily risky. But that's what people are afraid of. That's very interesting because variability you can measure. Whether something moves or not, you can exactly, see. Exactly. But risk, for me, is different than risk for you. That risk for each person is different. Risk, I mean, depending on the definition of risk. And, risk and of loss. Fragility, yeah. Fragility, we define fragility as much easier to measure, all right? You can say, okay, at what point will this break? Uh, there is some mapping of risk to fragility in, in, in some cases called ruin, total ruin, right? What's the probability of total ruin? Okay. And, but, but typically... Uh, Risk is not what we think is risk because most people who try to control variability of portfolio blow up. Uh, I, I said that uh, that forests, if you try to control uh, the fires in forests, you end up letting the bad material accumulate, and then the forest, you know, you know what happens to these forests when there's a fire. 
the same thing with uh, emerging market uh, governments. I remember controlling their currency. Like I saw Mexico in 1994 moving like 30 some percent of the currency, right? Uh, I'm still talking like a trader, like I started saying the Mexican peso we call Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I still remember, uh, and, and what happened is that if you control volatility, bring it to zero, the minute you have a small move, it's out of control, you see. Uh, I've seen, we've seen, we've all seen Argentina uh, fro uh, freezing the, the currency for a long time, and then the minute you let it float, or right. you're forced to let it float, or it floats by itself, you know what happens. So, Controlling variability has never been a good idea in, in any domain. You have to have some element of variation for things that are alive. So, so what, other than, like, let's say, the financial markets, what are some clear areas where you see people trying to control variability? Well, I mean, I, I, I wrote on the Black Swan that Syria was going to blow up hmm. because they had no political variability. You know, you need maximum political variability because things blow up otherwise. Flammable material, as, as, as I said, and and if you generalize it, you realize that you want a municipal system where you have maximum variability because you have, you have more. It's more of a continuum rather than have a president at the top. It's like a Switzerland type of uh, like a Switzerland type municipal system with a lot of uh, distributed decision making. You know, with small mistakes made here and there. So. But Syria, the next one is Saudi Arabia, right, will, will be the next route to drop. They have had zero political variability. So the minute there's something, nobody knows how deep it can get or, or if we can control it. Uh, in a political domain, in a lot of domains, uh, absence of variability is, is bad. I mean, actually, uh, something um, I, I discovered recently, if your heart has too steady a beat, the heartbeat is very steady, guess what? It's predictive, predictive mortality. Hmm. That's interesting. It's very predictive. So, this is uh, what I get worried about. And I, I actually wrote you uh, this in an email recently. I myself have never been to a hospital, don't have not gotten sick. I'm worried if I ever do get sick, my body will just blow up. It could be. Uh, uh, I mean, it could be with age that you're getting sick. In fact, I'm getting over it. Maybe it could, could be. be. I I don't know. But I didn't look at. Uh, I mean, infectious diseases aren't so much my domain. I'm just worried so that my much. mind won't be able to handle it once I get sick because I'll I'll be so so fragile about the concept of getting sick. Really? Uh, maybe induce your go to some country or you can contract get malaria or something. And, not malaria. Uh, something less chronic. Where, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, it is interesting. No. But, but but you mentioned yeah. that in the book, in Anti-Fragile, that you do have an anti-fragile personal program for yourself. Like you like to, for instance, walk on uneven surfaces. Uneven surfaces. Uh, I like to walk on rocks, not walk on roads. And there's evidence, actually, that, that, that walking on rocks, for instance, increases lifespan. They've done I didn't, some... I didn't, I, and look, I mean, I broke a nose uh, initially, but uh, since then I've been doing rather well. And it, it's, you know, I feel alive after I walk. And, and I, I think that uh, we didn't understand sleep for a long time, people trying to reduce sleep and then, you know, having problems elsewhere. I think we also don't understand walking. I say if statistically we're made, we've been walking so much in our history, okay, I need a very convincing reason all right, to stop doing so, and there's none. <laughs> okay. So I try to walk pretty much what I try to do uh, as, as main activity. Okay, my activity is some 20-some hours a week. Hmm. Minimum, but I've noticed one thing: is to have a comfortable life. I wake up in the morning. I don't want to have any obligation except walking. And 
if I walk on something, like sleeping on something, you know, you, you walk, and I try not to think of that thing at all. Say I have to write a, an article. And uh, at the minute I'm stuck, I don't try to make an effort. I just walk. Hmm. And I come back, all right? Sometimes I come back and it comes, it, it pours out on its own. So in other words, not, never make an effort locally to try to solve a math problem or do something. Just, I so walk. don't stare at a, blank, uh, at a blank screen or a blank page? No, no, nothing. No, make no effort. There's no, life is too short. Okay, I just I go take a walk and think of something else. And I think I'm sure some mechanism works better when I walk, because uh, I'm I'm you know my main activity since I have uh, been you know full time into scholarship and stuff like that. I've been reading and walking, right? And uh, the more I walk, the more uh, I mean I I don't spend a lot of time writing. It just comes out, right? If I don't walk, I have this blank screen business, and then you get in trouble. Uh, so no walking is no no is is necessary. So so, so walking uh, increases the the, str- the, the stress. Takes I, I don't I don't know the mechanism. I mm. absolutely don't know. Right. I'm making no, no statement, no explanation mechanism. But I look at statistically how much you know uh, we've been doing it, and 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 and, and I apply it, and it seems to work. So in other words, I don't have to have uh, to come up with a, with an explanation to follow Mother Nature, particularly if I have a hugely positive payoff from it. Right. But but then, if I'm going against walking, then I want to see the evidence. Right? You see the idea? If, right. if I'm going against the natural. And I don't walk on a treadmill or kind of, kind of nonsense. I just walk outside. So what what else is part of your anti-fragile program, your personal uh, one? My personal one is uh, when I uh, go to a c- uh, country and drink, drink local water. One, for ethical reasons. You've got to drink the water, but non-purified a little bit. Mm-hmm. So just that's the anti-fragile thing. Uh, reduces surprises, right? So we have had so much control of our, our hygiene that people are forced now to take pills with bacteria. Isn't it absurd? So exactly like driving to the to the treadmill. Well, so it's always yeah. my theory that the peanut allergies this generation, which we never had before. It's caused by too much antibacterial. Uh, it could be because, because, yeah, because people don't understand, the, plus overusing antibiotics. Okay, so what I do is I follow the principles that risk is what to worry about, not comfort. Hmm. So take no medicine except if I have something very, very severe, in which case I don't see one doctor. I see four of them. Hmm. And I follow. Fourth opinion. Not four opinion. And some, if someone gives you one, one, you know, and I double the dose even if necessary. You, mm. you see the idea? So, so medicine is very nonlinear to, to condition. And, and, and let, me, let me give you the rationale. If you have slightly uh, above normal uh, hypertension, all right, like slightly uh, if, if you're above the normal tensive and you take medicine, the number needed to treat, to treat is something like one in 100, between one, at best one in 60. In other words, the number of people who benefit from the medication is very small. Is that always? Is that usually true? If it's slightly one standard deviation away from uh, from ta- uh, normal, huh. All huh. right? So that is. That's fascinating. But if you're if you're four standard deviations away from normal, that or three standard deviation away from normal, something in that area, okay, and you can use standard deviation because the Gaussian is sort of Gaussian, then the numbers needed to treat are monstrously lower. Something like seventy-five percent uh, benefit from from, so, from the drug. So, if you were told so, you had cancer, you wouldn't take any chemotherapy drugs. I would. Or? I would go for the for. I mean, I would be. I'd not try. But if someone tells me I have a headache, take this medicine. I wouldn't take it. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's some feedback. If I start taking medicine from headache, then I'm not limiting the cause. The cause just a symptom. 
But no, to go to go back. So it tells you. But the harm from medicine is the same, whether you're high, right. high, you see that is the same. So the ratio of gain, all right, is not there for mild condition. But the problem is pharma has a difficulty finding people who are very sick. So because of 5,000 more people who are very, uh, uh, sorry, slightly uh, hypertensive than very hypertensive, hmm. you see? And that's, this is why we tend to overtreat people. And, and so and, and, and you have to let the variation and the stressors take care of themselves. They make you better. And make sure the extreme is taken care of. Okay, so this is a great, this is a great field. So, so medicine, what's another area personally? What about, what about like in relationships? Uh, I don't know. I don't have. I have a very boring. You know. I mean, a very boring. <laughs> Seems like family. marriage is a fragile thing. I don't know. I I I see. I've seen people, all right, who have uh, who don't know how to manage. Uh, you know, the social life, okay, relationship, and overall with their friends, partners, and stuff like that. And I try to avoid these people. Okay, completely. I put them, you know, I cut losses very quickly as a trader. So, uh, I, if you see someone, uh, a business person who had a problem with a partner, I, I cross the street. I, I don't get. I mean, I may have coffee with them, but uh, I will never do business. So this is something you learn is uh, some people are troublemakers, and to stay out of you know that. But in in in. In social relationships, uh, can disruptive people be helpful? In other words, can have anti-fragility by having disruptive people in social? I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I try to avoid uh, disruptive people, and also, but I myself try to be uh, disruptive if I don't like something. Although you, like it economic. sounds like you selectively expose yourself to stressors, like on Twitter or something. Uh, uh, no, but Twitter is not a stressor. And Twitter is I aim. To it's just I'm making I'm enjoying the media right. medium and uh, and it's calculated it's much more calculated by picking on targets that uh, I don't like like a couple of economists and publicly so right. uh, but on uh, in in private life I haven't had many uh, I don't know if in private life I've had many fights except uh, so you see some person drunk at a party and 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 I uh, you know control the person and, 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 and get them out. Or but but you don't expose yourself to variability there. You stay around positive I people. I haven't. Uh, no, I, I don't. Uh, I haven't had street fights in a long time. Right? <laughs> haven't had uh, no no street fights, no no actually shouting match, nothing. But, you know, it's funny um, thinking of fighting like gaming in general, like chess. It's good to, to study multiple openings so you understand chess better, to have, have variability in your knowledge. I, I, this I don't know. I didn't think. I, uh, all I all I thought about is that uh, I remember, uh, you know, f- figuring out that being good at chess doesn't make you necessarily good at uh, at other things. That's definitely and, uh, true. It's very domain uh, domain uh, specific, but uh, but is it also does it? Tra- how much transfers? I've had a lot of stories. I don't know how much transfers. But so this is why I try to avoid uh, analogies to game because life doesn't resemble games. And right. people who think life resembles games tend to get in trouble. But, but I think that, that you have to have a, an element of, of surprise in your life. Okay. Now, now let's talk about life. Okay. What I think is a way, get, way to be, you know, non-fragile in your life. If you're an employee, you're fragile for life. Because even if you're promoted or demoted, it's unpleasant for you. 
It's uh, fragile. Because exactly. if you're promoted, you got a small increase in salary but a huge increase in responsibility. Exactly. My point is, if you're going to be uh, uh, employed, better be the lowest person, the, the, the night guard at a company. Right. Or someone who... No responsibilities, and you no get income. No responsibilities. And you get income, and then you can write poetry at night or right. be a painter or do things. And uh, in, 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 um, in, in developed countries, it's, you know, like Switzerland, uh, if you want to be a writer, it's much better to be, to be a... Uh, uh, work, work the, at, at the, the minimum wage, then you're very comfortable rather than, uh, you know, be a university uh, English teacher or a, a German teacher or whatever it is to write books. So the, the, the being an employee makes you very fragile because the way people start viewing the world, okay, uh, prevents them from following their own ethical uh, inclinations. Right, like, so they'll choose uh, to make an ethical exception to get a promotion, for instance. Or, or no, for example, you may work for a tobacco company, mm. right? You may buy stock in a tobacco company because you have a budget to make. Uh, so, so these are ethical uh, dilemmas that uh, you cannot escape when you're employed. It's, it's similar then, you, you know, you, uh, to make a budget. So owning a home makes you more fragile than renting. Well, it depends. I mean, to be to be personally, I never borrowed a penny, right? Mm. And and. Uh, Almost never. I, I, I had a uh, an arbitrage once when I on my first job. Trading doesn't trust. count. No, not bankers trust. Oh, trading doesn't count. But uh, I, I so I notice that people who have a mortgage have, uh, of course, are the prisoners of the system, and they underestimate the duration of their employment. And uh, and and when they point. start fearing the boss, and uh, and if the boss calls them to their office, uh, they're in trouble. If you have money on the side, you're much more robust, okay? And money on the side is the opposite of, on, of debt. It's like having an extra reserve. You don't have to predict what's going to harm you. And you depend less on a boss getting rid of you because if the boss doesn't like you, can you imagine how miserable it is, how unnatural a life it is being in an office for 30 years with someone you hate, all right? And many Whereas people do in it. Nature, and, not, and in nature, you've been killed or, 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 or you would have killed within minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So, and many people, this is a stressor that's not good for you. The chronic stressor is not good for you. The, the, the ver varying stressor and the high intensity once in a while stressor is good for you, mm -hmm. you see? And, and uh, of course, it maps to what Sapolsky have established about acute versus chronic stressor and stuff like that. But the, the to go uh, stressor with recovery, that is. But to go back to having a good life is uh, I, I, I plot an anti-fragile. I compare a, a taxi driver in London who has high randomness visibly to his brother who is an employee of a whatever, a cushy, has a cushy job, making the exact same salary, very predictable. If his brother loses his job, he's gone. A taxi driver is protected by the variability because the variability forces them to adjust. So, so if you don't have business near Heathrow, you try to find another airport. You see, or maybe you know you try to find nightclubs. You're adapted. You're you're if you're making a living from as a taxi driver in London, you're adapted to the environment. You see, because every trade is a new trade, as they say. And even if a disruptive uh, company comes along, like an Uber, you can just become an Uber driver. Well, you can move around, but but this brother spent thirty years in a cushy with the company. The company has financial problem. He's gone. And he's not going to land another job at age 53, right? Something quite important. Every system that's organic communicates with its environment via stressors. Hmm. So your, your, your lift weight, it's a stressor. The, your system will, will, will code for higher 
um, you know, higher bone density and, and more muscle, you see. You go in the sun, you 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 get the signal and then you'll code for more protection from the sun so you get you get uh, you know sun tanned all right uh, so, I, I like your point in anti fragile that uh uh we've been in the sun for millions of years and never got like skin cancer from it as far as we know that uh, I didn't make that point so much that I was I was I was questioning the idea of of avoiding of radiation motion. completely uh, but, uh, except if you don't have the racial characteristics and racial, the 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 skin tone characteristics of the area in which uh, you live, right? Like if you're, uh, you know, an, an Irish person living in uh, Australia, it, there's no no there's a problem, right? <laughs> but if you're uh, an Irish person living in Ireland, I don't know, you see, right? And and effectively, uh, it looks like, and, and now we have evidence that a little bit of radiation is very good for you hmm. to prevent protect you from cancer. <laughs> So, so, so elimination of radiation makes you uh, fragile. Just like a, a little bit of bacteria is good for you to protect you from bacteria. You see, if you live in a sterilized room, you're not going to do very well when you come out of it. So it's among these class of things. But so when you are a, a, in professionally a consultant, okay, not an employee, a consultant, you're going to have variability in your income. But every morning, if you're still making a living. All right, you're fit for whatever environment there is. Right. So okay, so there you're minimally resilient, but not yet anti-fragile. You you have to get uh, minimally robust, okay, to get in the right direction of anti-fragile. Mm -hmm. See, uh, something anti-fragile is effectively something that that gains from uh, stressors to the system and improve from it. You have to. We have also to avoid looking at humans as a unit. You have to look at systems, hmm. you see. So sometimes the fragility of the person is necessary for the fragile, for the safety of the system. Take the restaurant business. If restaurant weren't fragile, wouldn't go ba bankrupt, you wouldn't have uh, um, a healthy restaurant business where people can eat well. So how can the individual, right, be, what can you do in that, envi in that environment? You have to make sure that you're capable of starting a new restaurant very quickly. So it's almost like you I have to build the sensibility that if this restaurant fails, at least I'll have the experience you to build the a better one, restaurant. Exactly, and then you have to integrate that failure in, mm -hmm. in, in your learning curve. Um, to, but to really be anti-fragile, you have to be in the business of trial and error, hmm. where you're, you're, all your side effects are going to be beneficial. And there's no business, it used to be, no longer like that, uh, that benefited from its own mistakes better than pharma. Because if you're in that business, you make a mistake with the, you know, your 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 uh, hypertension medicine doesn't it has a side effect. Well, that side effect leads to Viagra, for example. Well, that's the good news, you see. And and effectively, uh, if you look at, uh, I mean, I have a big bone with academic research, with everything, you know, trying to exactly map the environment, thinking we understand it, and fooling ourselves, uh, rather than than. Focusing on payoff, again, trying to predict rather than focus on exposure, have a convex exposure, anti-fragile exposure, is something like uh, 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 the, mo the best model is cooking. You cannot imagine right, what something could taste like just from writing down on a piece of paper the chemical composition. You cannot. No, you have to try. Mm -hmm. Well, that protects us from having too many theories in cooking. And then everything goes by trial and error. So, but why? How does why does trial and error work well? Whereas I'm trying to make the perfect hummus, I add an ingredient, right? It doesn't taste good. I give it to my mother-in-law. 
you see? So you have your downside is small. But if, if, if I hit on something great, then I'll have my, my, uh, my, my great humus, you see? Mm-hmm. So uh, pharma worked that way. And the rate of growth of medical research in, in gains and in, in finding drugs and cures and all that was much higher under trial and error than today that we think we understand biology. Hmm. You see? So mistake, So given that we make mistakes, we might as well be in an environment where we benefit from mistakes. You see? So the restaurant industry benefited from the mistake of its members to improve. The, the, the airline, uh, the transportation industry, every plane crash reduces the probability of the next plane crash. Mm-hmm. Benefit from its mistakes. So that's a health, healthy system. But it's not necessarily always good news for the people at the bottom. But nevertheless, we can say that if they died, all right, it, at least they've saved more lives all right, than the ones that perished. Do you, do you think, um, so given like the current economy, which is sort of uh, floating on top of these bailouts from 2009, What's your what's your stance? Well, I mean, bailouts are, of course, against my my religion, against everything I believe in, because you're disrupting a system, creating moral hazard. You didn't let it, the crash happen. Uh, I would uh, no, no, system. The, the, yeah, but but but, but the counterfactual is, is is wrong. My peers say, well, would you have uh, saved the economy, let it fail? Then, if you know, it's a con- wrong counterfactual. You would have opposed bailout since 1982, when Mr. Reagan uh, started bailing out the banks. 83, you know, when they. Um, bailed out Connell, Illinois, when it started, uh, you know, having these systems. So the the bailout situation is tricky. You cannot say, well, you cannot look, you have to look at it as an ensemble. Build a system that doesn't require bailout. And and we know, you know, how to build these systems. What's a system that doesn't require bailout? Well, the first thing is you force everyone in, in banks that require bailout to be, you know, if, why are we bailing out the bank? We're bailing, it's too big. We're not bailing out the restaurant, although the consequences uh, locally on the person and the staff are the same. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be unemployed, uh, you know, Monday morning, um, and with financial losses. But we don't care. We care because protecting the system. So if someone is making uh, twenty million dollar bonuses and we're going to bail them out, if take a mistake if he's wrong, that, that's wrong. So any business that's bailable out should not have these. Bonuses, hmm. and people tell me, "Well, we lose talent." I say the bank, the banking industry has proved only one talent, that of uh, getting paid, you know, individually, because it's a business that never made money. Hmm. You see, so th- th- this is how you structure a system to be robust from the inside. You structure a business, the banking business, to be like the restaurant industry. You don't structure it to be something like government. So and not, another another thing that's very central for a system to work well is to have what I call skin in the game. In other words, people bear direct consequences for action, not because it's a deterrent, but because it's a filter. Hmm. Because if you go bust yourself, you're out of the pool. You see, if you uh, if you're a bad driver, okay, that's fine. You're allowed to be a bad driver, but you're not. You, we don't want you to harm others. So if bad drivers tend to die because they get into accidents or kill other people, they would much more likely all right, reduce the number of fatalities all right, than if they didn't survive. Hmm. Likely to kill, you know, those who kill other people driving. This is my idea of skin in the game as a symmetric uh, risk uh, thing that causes bad risk takers all right, to be harmed. Or, so they or to at least learn. If they're, uh, you know. I don't believe in learning. I really don't believe in learning at the individual level. I believe systems learn through fil- filters. What about entrepreneurship, though? So if somebody starts a business and fails, 
they might learn from that experience. Well, no, no. Yeah, they learn from the experience. And also the business the, the, the business model of entrepreneurship is what I was in, the out of the money options. I bought out of money options. I always lost money. I was in business of, uh, you know, and then, you, you know, people. Ah, it's very like, interesting. Entrepreneurship yeah. is like buying out of the money. Of, exactly. And, and, and you have people who kept telling me that I was doing the wrong thing and they still work for a living, <laughs> you see. And so I, I, you can only smile and say, okay, be polite to them. And, and they teach you what, what, how, because the, 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 and then my reason is that the tail and the tails, okay, is any error in model, all right, means the tails have to be more value. More valuable, and, and it's a little uh, complicated to do it without a graph. Uh, no, no, but that's interesting. So entrepreneurship is actually tr- saying the tails have more value than anybody else thought before, and so you're going to develop. Yeah, your I mean, look at the world. Tails. The world, the world is built today by entrepreneurs. Everybody who short tails, there's no business that short tails that's still in existence. Hmm. Insurance companies are the only one who do it because they do it with things that are thin-tailed and cap the tail. They don't have the exposure in the tail. Insurance companies, people don't understand that. Insurance companies, they don't sell tails. They sell the value distribution and they block you. For example, your house, they cap you, all right? What interests me is beyond the cap. Right. <laughs> so, so I, w- I mean, I was in the business of buying tails, all right, or at least protecting people from not having the tails and stuff like that. So it is when you're in a business like that, you start looking at at world tales and you see who understands tales, and you realize entrepreneurship. If entrep- the tales weren't mispriced by the world, we wouldn't be where we are today. <laughs> you see, look at the wealth generated. Where did the wealth come from? All right-tailed things, businesses, computers. So, uh, entrep- uh, entrepreneurship is a right-tailed proposition. All right, and the businesses that were short the tails, there's three of them. All right, banking is one. Never made a penny. Another one is uh, insurance, reinsurance. Uh, the ones that, that, that made even substandard stuff was because they were capping the tail, you see. So let's take, take someone like Warren Buffett, though, who, buy, who, who does uh, catastrophic insurance on I, stadiums. I, say. Well, cat, cat insurance, the ones overwritten by these people, are not tail events because they're capped. Hmm. And my tail starts beyond. I, I had uh, recently uh, someone... I was waiting. Uh, I said, I'm not going to uh, attack uh, and print my ideas until I'm waiting for someone to publish something, criticizing my ideas and anti-fragile about the tales. And vol- okay. Uh, in a sci- journal, so I can publish it in a scientific journal. And, and some idiot who's a risk manager or whatever said, oh, Taleb is wrong. Look, there's no volatility. Tales are not volatility. Tail, tail risk is how much is exp- of the volatility explained by the tail. You see? So I, uh, it allowed me to, to make the point that a business that is fat-tailed, in other words, where the tail plays a large role, has usually less variation, <laughs> you see? And yeah. more, more, more of the variation comes from jumps. So like, uh, look at well, Argentina. Well, when you have a fat tail, years. you start to get into a power law. Sorry? When you have the fat tail, it could be a power law. No, no, no. But one of the characteristic of a fat tail is not that there is... There's a fat tail event because often you don't see it. That there's no volatility outside this fat tail event. Hmm. You see, and mathematically showed it mathematically in that paper, and and published, of course, in the same journal. All right, what uh, uh, I call it elements of quantitative finance. What people you know don't understand about tail it was four mistakes. But it was very interesting because then I caught a, a risk manager who didn't understand risk. That that the risk isn't in variation effectively when you shift to the, you know fat tail. In other words, it's not so much volatility. The VIX doesn't represent fat tailedness. It represents variation. And usually to build, like I used to build 
uh, fat tail trades, I would sell volatility and buy the tails and all be harmed by medium volatility, not very fat right. tail volatility, right. which is what people couldn't understand what, I, what my business was. Tell them, I don't want medium volatility, I want no volatility or maximal volatility, right? So, so, so to, to really map it into businesses that have typically, you can, you can tell actually that businesses that are short the tail tend to have steady income. And businesses that are long the tail tend to have erratic, uh, highly uh, variable, and typically not good outside of tail events. <laughs> and these are the businesses, effectively, that have produced what we have in the world. Okay, now now scientific discovery is a fat tail event. It's hunting for out of money options. There are mm. costs. I mean, we spend a lot of money trying. Right, pharma. Pharma is the biggest fat tail of fat tail as an industry. You look how much money they make. What's their business? Their business is keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. You have cost of trying. We have small losses. Out of the money option, and, and you finance it. So I see. Okay. So so what, what's ruined it a little bit is that the uh, FDA requires more and more money to get a drug through trial, so it's hard to do trial and error. The cost of trial and error uh, uh, increases, right, visibly under regulation and other environments, and increases also under... Uh, Okay, what happens is that if you're, uh, what people don't realize is the return is much more linear to number of uh, trials than to total, total dollar spent. Hmm. So, and people now go for blockbuster drugs. So they spend a lot of money in one direction. So more prone to error. And, right. and they're not, when you hunt for fat tail, a business that understands fat tails very well is publishing, right? Like cinema. Okay, and, and that's a fat tail business. Uh, we're not far from my publisher, Random House. Go to the lobby of Random House on on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Go to the lobby and walk in. The first time I walked in, I, I was not yet published. Uh, you know, I, I was a best-selling author, so someone made me wait. You know, they make you wait if you're this, and otherwise you're a best-selling author. Then you have special elevator. You right. see this thing. So when you wait in the lobby, I looked and I said, "Oh my God, this building likes publishers, or publishers likes build like uh, like this building because." There's nothing but publishing houses. Guess what? It turned out to be all belong to the same Bertelsmann. Right. Because when you're in a fat tail business, you make your income off of few blockbusters. You got to have thousands of books. So again, so this is so I they would have say like 70, 80, 70, 80 publishing houses, separate publishing houses in the same building. Right. <laughs> so, in so, the random house, Crown, Knopf, uh, this, that, uh, things you've never heard of. All right. Yeah. And when you have a lot, and, and when you're in a fat tail business, you need a lot of small trials, you see, making bets on on stuff, and once in a while, you've got a Harry Potter. Uh, publishers are essentially venture capitalists on books. So Exactly. But now, so that's a resilient business. It's not necessarily anti-fragile. No, yet. it is anti-fragile. They like, the, I mean, they're fat so tail. book fails. Sorry? If a book fails. It, it, it costs them $5,000. If they do it right, all right, it, it's like an option. You, you lost five thousand dollars if it fails, right. and you make a hundred million if it's right. Right, but if it, it, it so, so they don't mind failures, but do the failures make them stronger? Uh, I, I mean, no. Usually, I, my mapping of anti-fragile isn't so much in something makes you stronger, so on, so much as the system benefits from mistakes. Right? Okay, so. Or, or, bene- or benefits from randomness, or benefits from other things, all right? Yes. The, 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 if you try to publish a book, uh, and, and typically, let me tell you how the system benefits from mistake. You're trying to have a hypertension drug, and you end up with Viagra. Same thing. They try to publish a book on some, uh, author- like they did with the Black Swan. They tried to publish a book on um, 
they thought a narrowly defined subject by an, an option trader, okay, whom you can you know uh, probably rely on having a few, uh, and it turned out from an option trading book or right, into some global interpretation of history that made them you know that sold X million. Uh, well, you get the idea. So th- that was a mistake on their part. You see. Right. That was a positive mistake. That was so. So they they can publish a book like Umberto Eco. They think is a scholarly book, and their mistake is that it, it's a hugely popular topic that sells fifty million copies. You see, it's pretty much like a drug. So you have side effects that you didn't predict that, but what you don't predict typically helps you, and that's I the see. idea. So, that's so the, the model it. itself is is strong because sometimes these small losses could turn into huge. Sometimes the mistakes no, no, can turn into huge winners. Yeah, the, the, because no mistake will cost it makes your book right. sp- cost you more than you spent for it. It's like a finite premium for an option. So all the mistakes is the upside. Right. But if you spend a billion dollars for a book, all right, and some people have spent millions and millions on books, all right, uh, uh, the, the mistake is when you start spending a lot of money on publishing Al Gore, all right, and the thing flops, so you have a big loss, you see, for mm-hmm. uh, no upside. Uh, that, that's... Typically, when people go for small bets in 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 highly um, unpredictable domains and in a field that nobody really understands very well, you have a huge upside. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and that, that's but uh, so you can look at the PNL of people who've done that: movies, pharma, this, real estate, real estate, real estate. If you if if I walked into um, the Black Swan when I was writing it, thinking that. Most money was made in America by innovation and high tech and stuff like that. It turned out to be false. The the big bucks were made in America, big fortunes. All right, if you look at um, at, at a time, I look at net worth of people. The big fortunes were made in real estate, and then I understood why it was a sucker game because real estate is long volatility for the owner of the house, so you can borrow, mm. and short for the bank, which explained why the banks never made money. <laughs> And individuals made tons of money on real estate, and real estate was a good business, you know, for these people because they have a free option. And it's it's funny too, like the housing crisis began long before, or not the crisis, but housing was going down for a year and a half before the banks blew up. So housing was handling itself fine, but then the bank, the financial crisis happened as a result of the way they package things. But 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 typically banks are good at giving people free options. I remember manufacturers Hanover went bust. Uh, because Donald Trump uh, made bad bets, and eventually Donald Trump got rich. All right, and my, my first Hanover became part of Chemical Bank, became part of uh, now J.P. Morgan. You see, so the 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 mistakes of uh, uh, if a mistake can blow you you know up, you're not a good business. But but what's worse is when someone has an asymmetry. My mistakes blow up the bank, not me. You see. Right. Or uh, because the way they finance it, and also, and, and what they did, even had they not done that, when I looked at the risk of Fannie Mae, uh, huge, even without these uh, packages, uh, you know, uh, banks were overexposed to downside of real estate. So right now in the economy, where do you see the biggest? Bubbles or risks or I, I don't know. I mean, I make bets. All right, so my bets are out of my bets. So it's not a predictive bet. Uh, I made after the crisis. I initially uh, made bets on gold, and then uh, I was long gold, short S and P, and then ended up long both, right? And then I ended up getting rid of my gold. 
And why did I have the S&P? Because I said, okay, flooding money in the system, uh, gonna, going to either uh, harm the bonds, help the stocks, or both. So, And then I started getting short bonds in and out, right? Mm. So I had S&P with a shortage bond position, and, and it paid off, right? So uh, the quantitative easing with some long real estate, all right, that, that paid off, pay, pay off. And, and then I... You know, because I said, okay, the, the only way they're curing the system is by by giving free money. So you got to what people free money will go by. So it w- worked out fine. And uh, so I'll tell you, because skin and game, I only look at my thing. And then uh, I bought some euros, right? When when Europe was uh, because people on TV would go and say, oh, Europe, as if it was a catastrophe. It was like uh, Dresden, you know, with a big hole, was smoking like Syria. Pictures of Syria today. And uh, I, I, then I bought some Europe, or I bought, I bought European currency, because they weren't engaged in the same thing. And then I got out of it. So now I, I, I my exposures now I would say are, are minimal to anything. Now, so so given that, it means I don't have a view of anything. But I'm 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 trying to get out of trouble. But it's good sometimes. It's, it's I would say anti fragile sometimes to minimize. Sometimes yeah, you want to be in cash. My only risk of being in cash is you miss on. You can have inflation, okay, or you miss on something. So there's risk to be in cash. The, the, what I call cash, I have two cash. I have cash, cash, cash that can be invested. And I have what I call numeraire, protect me from inflation, which is a basket. Mm-hmm. And, and that basket uh, contains some real estate, not much, some stocks, not much. Some. I have, I, you always have to have something that protects you because... The, the big tail risk is I work all my life, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a good life to... Uh, things uh, can be harmed by inflation, all right? And, or you can have uh, asset price inflation, but not inflation, which is what we have now, all right? Mm-hmm. Is, which is worse, actually, because you see all the things you wanted to buy running away from you, but and then the other things are not. So uh, I have some hedge there, okay, some agricultural stuff like that, just to say this is hedged for inflation, okay? But I would say I'm monstrously underinvested now with the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay. Also, I mean, to the point I, where you feel bad, like you're you're no, no, an no, investor to the at point, heart. To the point that I don't look at a screen. You know mm-hmm. that you're underinvested if when when uh, you can go for two days without looking at a screen. How mm-hmm. many hours you can go without looking at a stock market screen? Mm-hmm. You see, if I have it's to good formula. if I have to look at it uh, with high frequency, it means I'm I'm over invested. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you become victim to noise and stop losses. If I'm looking at it with, uh, like now, I couldn't care less. Uh, and if I'm looking at it, uh, you know, healthily, like uh, I would like to be healthily, it means it was, it was good enough frequency, then then I'm calibrated. But I, I've never really been calibrated. I've been moved. You know, I typically go from total indifference to maximum uh, interest. What about like given given your ideas on pharma? What about you know, far, big pharma has the risk of FDA regulations, but then you have like biotechs, you know, well-funded biotechs. Okay, no, that no, can biotech is a very uh, biotech is a, is a, is a very interesting uh, domain. Uh, biotech, particularly that they have uh, they're underestimated by the market because they can have a huge discovery that will change everything. You see, small probability. That's not part of the data. But I'm I'm uh, I'm not involved. It's just too much headaches trying yeah. to figure it out. It's just I mean I have a comfortable life. I don't want to mess it up by having complicated stuff. 
but but sometimes I, for entertainment, I do trades, and mm-hmm. typically I go with the irrational, mm-hmm. which is strange. Someone who likes the irrational, because it seems to me that if something is irrational, it means be hidden reason behind it. You see, if something like, for example, when I went into Europe, Europe was very, 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 very uh, steady. And everybody said it's bad news. If the journalists say it's bad news and the stock market is not, I go with the stock market. Hmm. You see? Or I go with the currency. I go with, with the element. Hmm. But I'm not too much in the market. At plus, at plus, of course, I have a convex bet on the crash in the stock market. Hmm. So, so, so typically, I would say m- my position would be in the stock market, uh, the way I do it is I'd be long the stock market. I lose money if there's a 10% drawdown. But if there's a 20% drawdown, I make tons. Because so you buy out-of-the-money puts. Because I always have this kind of uh, out-of-the-money thing. I, I played with bonds, but now it's difficult with bonds. Although, even though there's most likely some sort of bubble in bonds at some point. Yeah, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to so miss much. it. I don't want to miss it. But, uh, but to express it with a positive uh, carry is hard. Hmm. So sometimes you go in and I don't want to think about it. So you go out. You Too go complicated. Yeah, but I, I have enough gold, you know, in my own thing, and I have enough short bonds in my core, you know, what I call luminaire, that I don't have to worry much about that. So Black Swan, you're saying sold, sold very well. I, I fooled by fooled with by randomness is a, a great book as well that I highly recommend every trader. Uh, yeah, fooled reads. by randomness. Yeah, fooled by randomness was read by traders, but not outside. The Black Swan was read outside trading, right? A lot. And anti fragile, I almost view it as. A personal improvement book, like a way of thinking about life as know. opposed did, to trading. It did, uh, it did, it's the one that satisfied me the most in this reaction because it. It uh, what, what I always tell people is that uh, there is nonlinearity. Uh, you don't want to sell a million copies because if you sell a million copies, you're going to have eight hundred thousand people reading it, uh, buying it, who shouldn't be buying it. Well, it's still, so. it's still hard to execute on it. People like their fragile lives because that's the controlled environment. So it's hard for people to say, okay, I'm going to fast randomly like every no, other No, no, yeah, that's true. No, no, but Anti-Fragile is, is a kind of, no, I mean, I wrote Anti-Fragile not as uh, as a book for, I wrote it as you put your soul into a book. Yeah. So it is, I, I it's a fourth volume of that inserto, and I put my, my, my soul into it, but all the answers in the Black Swan. I also wrote it in a way to be less accessible to, huh. to the, than the Black Swan, to the common person. And why voluntarily? Why? Because I don't want uh, to have uh, to the readers. And uh, I don't want to go to conferences where you have all these big names who have bestsellers and, and be one of them like uh, in, the, you know, in a cattle market. I want to just have my own. Uh, mm. I pull back from public image. Uh, you know, when you have a big bestseller, you, you have trauma and you have also you learn from stuff and you say, okay, you want to do it once, you don't want to do it all the time. So I did not want to have as big, uh, uh, and I don't want in the future to have any big. I'd rather have a steady, smart readership hmm. than uh, crazy uh, people citing it without understanding what it is. Hmm. And, and anti-fragile is in that category. Hmm. It did. Uh, it's like food by randomness. Food by randomness was almost never uh, bought by people who didn't understand it, hmm. or didn't get. I mean, not almost never. It was the ratio is very low for food by randomness. And full RMs over time did uh, I don't know something million some copy I mean something worldwide, 
it did uh, worldwide, yeah, in, in a million something, some some copies. So and anti-fragile, you don't think will uh... full barrel? No, it's fine. Fragile selling a lot more than than than, than full barrel randomness, huh. uh, you know, at its stages. But full barrel, I want anti-fragile. You want books to follow the Lindy effect. I don't care about what they sell today. I, I care about what they sell in ten years. Hmm. You see. Ah, it's your point of uh, yeah. The, 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 if it's still selling in ten years, it's going to be selling for another ten. For years. another ten years, full by random today is uh, thirteen years old, fourteen years old, thirteen yeah, years old. Still actually. sells uh, this week. Fourteen years old, thirteen mm-hmm. years old, and it's not that it still sells. It's still in print. It's still yeah. active. Uh, uh, the black swan is, is, of course, is too known as a metaphor that bothers me. Anti fragile is similar to full by randomness, except that. It's a different uh, crowd. It's more difficult than full brand. It's much more difficult. You know, but it got me thinking really just about every area of my life and what was fragile and what wasn't. And not only every area currently, but every area in the past and how I've, the different parts where I made myself anti-fragile just by instinct because well, I didn't want to lose anymore. It, it, that's good. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's a test you can do for yourself, all right? If uh, you've had a little bit of disorder and you weren't harmed by it, it means you didn't have enough of it. If I wasn't harmed by it. If you weren't harmed by it. By right. If you had, and you weren't harmed by it, if you had something bad happen or something like that, weren't harmed by it, it means you need more of it. Uh, well, no, I was definitely harmed by it, and then I had to overcome. Yeah, well, yeah overall, if, if as a, uh, overall you weren't harmed by something, then, then you have... Uh, and, and let me tell you that a lot of people don't understand that... Uh, uh, something I, I mentioned just en passant, I didn't, didn't focus too much on it, in anti-fragile, is post-traumatic growth. Hmm. That growth comes from trauma. People talk about post-traumatic uh, disorder. The real thing is post-traumatic uh, growth. Hmm. So so if you do grow too much, let's say, from a failure, that might not be a good thing. No, 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 no. What I meant is that most people think that people get trauma from wars, from stuff like that. I was a victim of war. It was horrible. Hmm. Right? And you know the in the Near East, they're not you know, wars are not very pleasant. Okay, mm. but uh, but I think that I benefit from it. I personally grew from it. So so had had a psychologist, you know, just to bill X dollar, you know, hundred dollars an hour would have found a disease. You see, and, and but a lot of people benefited from it. And a generation, a friend, they all did very well, personally, emotionally, all, all kind of stuff. So so in a way, you grow from disorder. Right. The the um, but there's something important, uh, you know. To, to to when you approach a topic like uh, anti-fragile, it's something important. You don't want to ask too much from the topic. Try to apply it, okay. But you should be demanding. But don't ask too much from a topic. In other words, don't try to apply the topic, you know, blindly to to a lot of things. Uh, but it has enough application. In other words, uh, if we it's having, worth thinking about. It has enough application. In other words, uh, in biology, in biological system, in stressors, in ecosystem, it has enough application. And and it's a beginning, not an end. One thing that pleases me a lot is uh, I'm telling you that I switched life with anti-fragile. You know, uh, the, I try to uh, you know just do enough of the markets for entertainment, not other things. Mm-hmm. I'm also advisor to my old uh, friends who are. Uh, Continue in the business I was in in Empirica. So, so just do enough activities. But I wanted to be just now become a scholar, you know, retire into pure scholarship. 
you know, clearly nine nine published papers this week. Uh, this, year, this year, this year, uh, a book, uh, Silent Risk. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing horizon. technical work. Then the technical work, and I'm realizing that in a technical uh, field, uh, I mean, there are good disciplines and bad disciplines. There are disciplines like uh, political science are totally clueless, and the discipline like physics and complex systems are monstrously insightful. See, and and to understand that, you have to know from the inside. And uh, but but. There is a huge appetite for ideas like the ones of anti-fragile, and I don't want it's, you know this is not no longer a book where it belongs to one person. It's the, the, like, you see the 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 development of ideas, and and you want to be part of it, uh, filling out even without citing anti-fragile, without mentioning it once. You see, it's citing into this this uh, 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 mission, and now what is that that thing is really trying to understand how systems function without um, so so we we can live in in, in a world in accordance with, with with the way the world is rather than in accordance with the way we'd like it to be like yeah. a distributed system like nature how to handle nature how to handle global warming how to handle all of these and i'm i'm you know and i'm involved in this uh, so so i'm very very happy because i started an academic career and, and academic doesn't mean teaching. It means uh, writing paper, researching, interacting with researchers, doing things. And, and so, so th- w- which is why I don't think I'm going to write books for the general public anymore after anti-fragile. Hmm. I don't think I will. I mean, you know, people may have relapses, but I will uh, be producing a more uh, scientific stuff that has theorems, proofs, and it's actually so much easier to do science. Where, where will you uh, release stuff? Like, like Silent Risk here. This Silent is Risk is for book. free on the web. Hmm. It's for free on the web. Anybody can access it. Uh, I don't feel like giving it to a publisher f- for now. And uh, uh, the good thing is that if I find a mistake, uh, I'm going to you Singapore. change it. It becomes open source in a sense it, because it, people it, can No, I, I change it. I change it. But in other words, I change it and, and I learn to write in text. So it's formatted the way it is. Hmm. comes right right instantly. And and probably it could be between po- cover, but uh, but I wanted to stabilize, you know, at the level, stabilize in the sense that uh, I keep changing. You know, I wake up, I change, uh, introduce a topic, and silent risk. Silent risk is really the backup of all my other books with the mathematical backing. And it's very strange. I noticed that, uh, that there's something we're doing with this paper. Okay, I noticed this paper. We use a lot of English, all right? And then at the end, we have math proof theorem. This, 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 this proof. Okay, so I noticed nobody reads the math. Nobody reads the math. But uh, if it's there, people feel comfortable. But they feel comfortable with what I'm saying here without harassing me. What do you mean by this? Mm-hmm. They feel comfortable. They leave you alone. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing with the inserto by giving all this math. And I discovered, you know, and, and quite, you know, quite surprising that nobody knew. You, you see, nobody knew that I did math for a living. You know, so it is mathematical stuff. They must not have read uh, dynamic hedging. Or they, they, I mean, people said, "Oh, the, the black swan," and and it's very strange because there's the same idea expressed in 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 math. People take it seriously, although it's harder to understand. Or they complain that it's dense, but it's harder to understand. But then you express it in words; they 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 don't take it seriously, although it's easier to understand. Hmm. So people, but so this is what makes scientific writing easy because you don't have any inhibition about how deep you want to go. Nobody's going to complain. It's very strange, right? That's a f- but the other thing that makes it also easy is because when I put a book out, I'm afraid of being misunderstood and having to explain stuff. When you put science out, 
it is self-standing in the sense that it's very hard to misunderstand an equation, right? Mm. You may misunderstand the application and stuff. You're outside the verbalistic aspect. And, and, and it's quite liberating. And also what's even more interesting is that I know that if I make a mistake, it would be caught faster because the beauty of mathematics isn't that it helps us get, is that if someone expresses himself mathematically, he gave you a, um, a, 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 a tool, right, to critique him. In other words, made it clear. I made my statements clear on here, so you can see very clearly what I'm saying. If you find a mistake, you can spot it. Hmm. So this is why it's more open to investigation for others to say, "Hey, you know, you made a mistake here." So silent risk has one part. One part is about risk and probability, and the second part about how systems like disorder hmm. and how city states do better and stuff like that. And silent risk, part two, make it make a second volume. And and it's very interesting because once I put it mathematically there, now suddenly a lot of people started reading this, anti-fragile, mm-hmm. and without having the need to go to the mass because they've seen the mass, they've just glanced at it, they saw a couple of graphs, they come back, and now they, they, they're interested in anti-fragile. This is why there have been no scientific criticism of anti-fragile. 100% like of, the, of the scientists who've looked at anti-fragile found it positive. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have done that had if I didn't supply him with a, with a mathematical backup. Well, I, I definitely look forward to checking out Silent Risk. And I know you say you don't want millions of people to, to read and understand Anti-Fragile, but I, I really, it's a life-changing book. I really oh, think it's a, it's a great book. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. It was very pleasant. Yeah, to, I'm to glad you came, came on the show. And uh, I wish I had uh, uh, followed up on my email with you in 2002. I, I think I had coffee with the wrong people. So oh, okay. it's, uh, they blew up in 2008 or no, or seven, eight. Or uh, no? Yeah, b- both times, uh, several both times. times uh, okay, that's fine. All right, yeah. Yeah, that won't happen to you. All right. <laughs> okay. All great. right. Well, thank you very right. much. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today.